0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the next few moments, we're going to talk about being ambassadors of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself You know, we live in a world today that is uh, very intense. People have become fearful. People have become stressed out. You talk to them and they're edgy. Political and social etiquette has been kicked to the curb. Lines are being drawn in the sand. Lifelong friends are siding against each other in some cases it's literally a brother against a brother either believe what i believe see it the way i see it or there's no place for you in my life relationships have sadly become expendable now the question of the hour is is how should we respond then in such a time as christians do we have any role or responsibility in this hour of history The short answer is yes, I think we do. The Bible tells us as followers of Jesus Christ that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible calls us ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Now that term reconciliation, let's make sure we're all on the same page in understanding our definition. Reconciliation refers to a thorough change of relationship. It means a relationship that was stressed, a relationship that was avoiding each other, a relationship that had even become filled with animosity. It's a thorough change in that relationship. That's reconciliation. It's the ending of hostile conflict, where there's been hostility, Even if it's within nations of the world, reconciliation means to end then hostile conflict. It's bringing an individual back into favor. It's bringing them back into the good favor of our lives and letting them know that we value them and they're important in our lives. The word reconciliation literally means then to meet again with friendship being restored. No longer, when you see them walking on the other side of the street, it's no longer avoiding each other at the family reunion, and it's walking in relationship once again with God. Now the exciting thing about reconciliation is the fact that God allows us to be a part of this wonderful miracle, the miracle of, us, of uh, reconstruction, of a life, and uh, reconciliation that he alone performs that miracle. So let's consider, first of all, the experience of reconciliation. You know, therefore, if any man is in Christ, the Bible says, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now the Apostle Paul, personally knew the life-changing power of reconciliation, for he had experienced it firsthand himself. What he writes to us here in 2 Corinthians is not something that is philosophical or theological, but rather it's practical and it comes out of his own experience that he had on the Damascus Road. You see, there was a time in Paul's life when he absolutely despised Jesus Christ as well as he despised all of his followers. The Bible says he made havoc of the church there in Jerusalem. And not only did he make havoc of the church in Jerusalem, he was mighty proud of it, for he thought he was actually doing God a great favor in destroying the work of God there. He hunted down Christians, and he wanted them to be tried as being heretics. Now, reflecting on his life before Christ, Paul has a lot to say about, in the, about that in the Bible. And he calls himself, of all things, the chief of all sinners. He said, if you want to consider sinners in the world and people that you might say are the worst of the worst, I put myself at the very top of that list. I am the worst of all. I was the chief of all sinners. He goes on to describe the life that he had lived before Christ. He said "I was dead, dead spiritually and dead in his trespasses and in sin. He said, anything I did do as a Jew, it was being, you know, in the realm of self-righteous. I considered my works to be the only way towards heaven. He was living, the Bible says, with enmity with God, which means to have animosity. He was antagonistic, and he was hostile to Jesus. But then one day, he met the reconciler, He met Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, and his life from that moment on was changed forever. And this is the way he describes them, what had happened to his life. He said, this is what I was, and here's what happened to me in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Now what an incredible description of salvation and reconciliation he gives us there in verse 17. He starts out by saying that he was now in Christ. How many in the house today are in Christ? Amen? Isn't that a wonderful place to be? To be in Christ and to know that Christ is in us. And the Bible says it's in him that we live and move and have our very being. And so now, Paul, he understands his relationship that was once the chief of sinners. He says, my position now is the old has passed away, the old way of living, the old way of thinking. It's all in the past. All things have become new, and I am in Christ. The new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And how many know the new is not only here, but it's always being renewed, amen? It's always a life of growth, the life of a Christian. So Paul then, he leaves no room here for bragging. He is not bragging about that he's in Christ, a new creation, the old is gone. He's not bragging about that as it relates to his own experience. But rather, if you look at verse 18, he says, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I love that phrase, all of this is from God. You know, thank God for the way he changes our lives, amen? Thank God for the way he reconnects us with himself in heaven. God is the one that has taken the first initiative. He is the one that reached out to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. As you read through that account, you'll find that God went to the garden as he'd had every day, every morning, every night, opening out the day with Adam and Eve, talking with them, sharing with them, and closing out the day before they went to bed, you might say. And uh, now Adam and Eve, after sin, rather than running to God and cherishing that moment with God every morning and every night, and then knowing that he was there throughout the day, He comes to the garden, this time God. And God looks around and Adam and Eve are not running to him as they always had done. And so he says, Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam responded by saying, I was afraid. And because I was afraid, because you see, that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God and creates a lot of fear. And so now, rather than running to God, he's trying to hide from God, which is impossible. And I believe when God asked the question, Adam, where are you? He knew exactly what bush he was hiding behind. But he wanted to hear from the lips of Adam himself, as Adam said, I was fearful, and we've been hiding from you, God. The same is true for each and every one of us. God came looking for us. Just as he went out and took the initiative and began to look for Adam, and I believe that God is the one that sought each and every one of us out. God took the initiative in our lives to be reconciled to him. In Romans chapter five, it says this about that. It says, you see that at just the right time, how many know that God is always on schedule? God does not operate helter-skelter, but he's always right on time, and he's got precision about what he does. So you see, Paul writes, at just the right time, when we were still powerless. We were powerless to break the bondage of sin. We were you know, powerless in changing our lives. At that moment, when we were powerless and lost in sin, listen to what it says, Christ died for Who? the ungodly. Now, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. I think some of us in this room, at least we'd like to think that maybe we would lay our lives down for our wife or our husband, for our children, our grandchildren, or for our best friend. So Paul says, you know, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, let alone die for somebody that's really not in that Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There's that word one more time. If I were to say the name John Newton, I believe there's many in the room that would probably know that name this morning. But let me kind of refresh your memory and maybe for some tell you his life for the very first time. You may have ever heard it. John, as a very young man, lost his mother, and as a result of that, he spent his growing up teen years, his young years, on a ship that his father was the captain of, and so he was out sailing the seven seas alongside of his father, being with these rusty, crusty, you know, sailors that could curse and blaspheme and get drunk and carouse and all the fighting and everything else he saw, he embraced that as his lifestyle. And so, ultimately, he too became a sea captain. And as a sea captain, he found his greatest pleasure not in transporting merchandise from nation to nation, but he got deeply involved in the slave trade ring. He became a very vile man, a blasphemer he was so wicked that even his own soldiers, or rather his own sailors on board, one day when he was washed sea to bring him back on board the boat, rather than throwing him a life ring or a rope or anything of the sort, they harpooned him, hoping that the harpoon would literally take his life, but they harpooned him and drew him back on board. He wasn't enjoying life, he wasn't enjoying anything about the way his life had gone, and yet that was the only life he knew. John, as a young boy, before his mother died, had been told often about God's love and how much God can change a life, no matter how much into the dregs of life that they had, you know, gone, that God could change their life. And so one night, while out at sea, in a horrible storm, and the ship is almost, you know, ready to go down, he remembered his mother saying, when you call out to God, God will be there. And he called out for salvation. And God miraculously saved him that night. Not only saved him, but saved the entire crew and the ship itself. He went on to become one of the the great advocates for the cause of Christ. He became a pastor. Not only a pastor, but he became one that became an individual that stood against um, all of this slavery that was going on. One of the great advocates or breaking away from the terms of slavery there in, in uh, England and that part of the world. And so after his transformation, after coming into relationship with God, knowing a little bit about his background, now you may appreciate the song that has his name attached to it, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Reconciled with God. Newton found that being reconciled to God brought about peace of mind that he could not find anywhere else. And not only did it you know, give him a, a, a brand new direction for life, but it gave him a brand new purpose for life as well. And he spent the rest of his life reconciling others back into relationship with God. So when we read these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from the Apostle Paul, I remind you that Paul writes what he writes, having experienced reconciliation. Having experienced what it meant to be the chiefest of all sinners, on the run from God, killing Christians, causing havoc in the church in Jerusalem, causing mayhem and anything else you could do to try to thwart anyone and everything to do with Jesus Christ. And he writes now and he says, that grace is what touched my life. Look at verse 18. It says, all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, Paul mentions reconciliation twice, once in verse 18 and again in verse 19. Look at verse 18 as it's on the screen. It says, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I want that to sink in this morning and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You have been reconciled, and now I give to you the ministry of reconciliation. And in verse 19, it says, committed to us the message of reconciliation. So the Bible makes it clear that he has committed to us and in the Greek there, it means to deposit like a treasure is placed inside of a treasure box that he has deposited within us when we were saved, the message and the ministry of reconciling men and women to God and to each other. You see, ministry can either be a noun or it can be a verb. And I fear all too often that Christianity has become merely cerebral it's merely a noun, and it's something we talk about. And therefore, we study, we ponder, we banter, but seldom put anything into action. Paul says, you have received reconciliation, therefore God has given to you, He's placed the treasure of reconciling men to God and men to men in your life. Now, what is the message of reconciliation? In 2 Corinthians 5, there in verse 20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Think about that. We are now Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now our message, friends, as we go about our daily lives ought to be one of reconciling. Our world needs to hear that the Father longs for relationship with them. They need to know that God created them with a purpose and a plan. And that while they were yet within the womb, it was God that had dreams and hopes and plans for every single life. And the Father longs for relationship with you. That is the message of reconciliation. It is the message that you are important to God, though there's eight billion persons on this planet which our minds will never be able to comprehend or get around. It's a number that's staggering. And yet, out of that eight billion, God knows each. And every one of them, he knows them by name. He knows the number of hairs on their head. He knows their thoughts. He knows their concerns. He knows when they weep. He knows when they laugh. God cares about people. And our generation needs to know that the price for sin has been paid, that Jesus died. They need to know Jesus died in your place. That Jesus took your sin upon himself. And then he cries out, be reconciled to God. Matter of fact, he says, we implore you, we beg of you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, the Bible tells us that we must work well as day for the night cometh when no man is going to be able to work. The Bible talks about this is the acceptable year of the Lord. As you go down into chapter 6, following right after these comments, you'll find that he's talking about there's a moment, there's a time, there's the season that's available to man to come to Christ, but those doors will not always be open. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation. Well, you say, well, how does this fit? An ambassador, as you well know from politics, is a diplomatic representative of the highest rank sent by one country as a representative to another. We have been saved. We have been reconciled to God to represent the kingdom of God on this earth. You are representatives of the kingdom of God. You're ambassadors, the Bible says. He has placed you as a man man or a woman in this generation specifically for such a time as this, and we are ambassadors of reconciliation. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness, the Bible says. It is a kingdom of peace and of joy in the Holy Spirit. What do you think any one of us would find if we went out on the street today and ask individuals, what do you most want in your life? And what would you most want for the world in which we live? And I believe that you would find over and over and over, they would say, and may not use the term righteousness, but they want things done right and above board, nothing crooked. They would want peace. They would want peace in the world, they would want peace in their own heart, peace in their family, peace in their relationships, and they would want joy. And the Bible says, that is exactly what God has given to us, and as emissaries of that, we then go forth with a declaration that God loves you, God cares about you, God knows you, He wants to have a relationship with you, and when sin is overtaken, you're unable to break forth on your own, Jesus gave his blood, he took your sin so that you might be cleansed, you might be free. God has a plan for your life, not only here, but for all of eternity. And he has a kingdom. And the kingdom is one, the Bible says, of righteousness, that's right doing, right thinking, right being. It is of peace and it is of joy that is found in the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, we have a critical role to play in reconciling men to God. However, we also must understand that we have a key role to play in reconciling broken relationships between individuals, person to person. You know, we sadly live in a world that is tragically filled with disconnected people. They're disconnected from God, disconnected from their parents, disconnected from their brothers, disconnected from their sisters, disconnected from their extended family, they're disconnected from the neighbor that they share the lot line with, they're disconnected with uh, the people they work with, uh, their coworkers, they're disconnected according to ethnicity, they're disconnected according to race. We live in a world that is sadly disconnected And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, these are the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called, what? The children of God. We are ambassadors of reconciliation to this generation. When I think of how God took the first step for Adam and Eve, I find that all throughout the Bible, you'll discover that there were situations where there's division and strife within families, but in those moments, somebody stood up and took the initiative to be the reconciler, to be the one that would bring healing to that home. Think about Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob, they hated each other. They each went separate directions, as you know. First it was Jacob, he ran so that he could would not have to see his brother, Esau, and 20 years go by. 20 years of missing out on the relationship that he should have had with his brother Jacob, and Jacob with his brother Esau. 20 years go by. And in those 20 year period of time, finally it was Esau that said, why are we living this way? Let's go, let's be reconciled, let's have a meeting. And so they did, after 20 years, but 20 years wasted away that they'd never be able to regain. I think of Joseph and his brothers. You remember how Joseph's brothers became very jealous of him and sold him off as a slave to Potiphar in Egypt, and then ultimately he rises to the position of being second in command over all of Egypt, just as the dreams that he had had being fulfilled. But it was Joseph, when he saw his brothers come in and bow before him, just as he had seen in the dream, it was Joseph that took the initiative to see restoration and reconciliation with his brothers. The prodigal son he had been on the run from his father. And the Bible says that one day he came to himself, he came to his senses. And he said, why am I living out here, ultimately living with the pigs in the pig pen as a Jewish boy, which was the lowest of the low that anyone could ever sink? And he asked the question, why am I living like this when back in my father's house, back where my dad is, that the servants have everything they have need of? So why do I continue to live this way? And then he says this, I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven and I'm not worthy any longer to be called thy son. And I can imagine him as he begins to make that journey home and as he's walking that journey, he is all the way along. He's rehearsing this. When I see my dad, I'm going to just tell him, you know, dad, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against the family name and I've sinned and I've sinned. And the father goes running down the road. And I wonder at first if he thinks he's going to say, get out of here. I want no part of you. You had your choice. You got your inheritance just the way you wanted it. Now you're coming groveling back home. I don't want to even see your face. That isn't the way it played out, was it? Ah, The father, the Bible says, embraced him. And then in the Greek it says that he kissed him. And in this particular way, he kissed him over and over and over and over and over. I could just see that picture. This daddy loving on his son and reconciling him back into the family. And he says to the servants, servants go kill the fat calf. The one that we've been saving for such an occasion is this, my son which was dead is now alive. The one that was lost is now found. Let's rejoice. And there is rejoicing. You see, friends, the whole message of the gospel is one of reconciliation. This week, let me encourage you. Let's purpose in our hearts to be the voice of reconciliation, of reconciling men to God and God to men, and man to man to each other where there's brokenness. Let me try to illustrate for a moment. Pastor Armin and Joy, would you please come and help me for a second? Let's give them a hand as they come. Love you guys, proud of you. Proud of your ministry. Pastor Armin's coming down the, the final stretch here of his doctoral program, and it's not gonna be long, he's gonna be doctor. Hey, proud of you. So, for the example here, I want you to see Pastor Armin is one that's been living in sin, okay? He's not, all right, okay? If there were, we'll deal with that, all right. But he's not. But I want, you, I want you to picture him as the man on the street. Will you do that with me now? He's the guy you work with. He's the one that's got the dirtiest mouth in town. He's the one that would not think twice about cheating in any category of life. But deep on the inside of his heart, God's been tugging. God's been calling him. He's been having these reoccurring, even dreams. When he reads anything in the news of the day or hear it on... there's there's a level of fear on the inside because he understands something big is happening. And friends, there is something big happening. And he reads and he sees and yet he has no peace inside of his heart because he's separated from God. He's out of relationship with him. And he's waiting for somebody to come along and say, God loves you. God cares for you. God's got a plan for your life. He created you to have have a relationship with you. And in that moment, we began to share, just as Paul said, the ministry of reconciliation. And we share how much God cares for him and that sin separates, sin will separate anyone and especially in a relationship with God. You let sin in your home, it'll separate you from your husband and your wife. You let sin in your home, it'll separate you from your kids. Those of us who are grandparents, if you allow sin to come in, on any side of it all, it's going to separate. That's what sin does. Separates, causes division, causes strife. Causes a wanting to hide from each other and to hide from God. But God loves you. God cares. God's got a plan. You realize that while you were still living in this sin, God sent his only begotten son. He died on a cross so that you might have life and have it abundantly. Because I know inside of his heart, he's looking really for righteousness, joy, and peace. He's looking for that. Every... Every heart is needing that, longing for that. And I know that. You see, we experienced that, right? We experienced what it was like to be lost. And we experienced what it was like to have an encounter with God that changed our life and the trajectory of our life. And so now I come along and I help him connect with God God is reaching down from up here. Armin, we're gonna reconcile. I'm gonna reconcile you through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we help people reconcile with God. So now he's, he's connected to God. But let's say for just a moment, And you guys have a wonderful home a wonderful marriage and i love you guys dearly but let's just say for the sake of what we know goes on that there's friction at home animosity is building up what does sin want to do it wants to separate right so it's causing division and it's beginning to manifest itself in unkind words and a whole lot of things just You can sense it, you can feel it, it's in the house. Or it could be with the next door neighbor. You got along for so long and now you don't know what in the world you did or what's going on and why there's division, why there's strife. It could be somebody you work with. But now because he's connected to heaven, we're going to come alongside and help them connect with one another. We have been given. You have been given. If you have accepted Christ as Lord and you have been forgiven, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador to a kingdom better than the United Kingdom or any other kingdom in the world or the United States. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And you're an ambassador. That ambassador represents the kingdom. And the kingdom says, you don't have to live this way. Father, I pray right now that you all have your sovereign way in these next few moments. Lord, to the one that's been on the run, help them to run the right direction, to run home. Lord, for the ones that have experienced division and strife, I pray today would be the one day that they would say, I will take the first step. Lord, when we see the need all around us, you have placed this strategically in this hour for such a time as this. Like Queen Esther, she was in the right place at the right time, not by mistake, but by divine design. I pray, O oh God, the lives will be transformed. I pray where there's been separation, animosity, Lord just as it said that you bring them back into harmony in relationship. I pray, oh God, your blessing this day on every person that makes that decision with heads bowed and eyes closed. How many would say this morning, Pastor, I need to be reconciled with God. I long for righteousness and peace and joy. And like the old song says, I've been searching for it all in the wrong places. I want to be reconciled with God. I know that he's been in so many ways showing me his love and his concern. and I want to respond to him this morning. Pastor, pray for me. I need to be reconciled with God. Let me see your hands come up high all over this place. Yes, hands going up all over. Many all over this room. The balcony and galleries as well. Let me ask another question. I wanna pray for those that wanna be reconciled with God, but I also wanna believe today that some of you are going to be reconciled in another relationship. And in that relationship, I mean, there's a great deal of stress. If you were to see them on the street, you'd wanna cross over to the other side you're in a store, you'd want to turn and go the other direction. The family reunion, it's stress, tension. You're saying, you know, there's a relationship. It's one that I do value because God values relationships and I value this relationship, but it's gone, it's gone sour. It's gone bad. I want to see a relationship Reconcile. Let me see your hands. Put them up real high all over this room. Yeah, there are so many. You may put your hands down. And others in the house today, God's gonna use you. He's given you the ministry of reconciliation. And he wants you to come just as you saw here on the stage. Someone that will come and help pull the two together and encourage going forward together to be reconciled, reconciled with God, reconciled with each other, and being a reconciler. This morning as we begin to sing this song by the worship team, if you've raised a hand, you're saying, I I wanna get into the right place and reconcile with God, you come. You've got a situation you're facing and it's gone on and on and on, you're saying no, I'm gonna be the reconciler. I'm gonna take the first step. I'm gonna step aside from my pride. I'm gonna step aside from what is done, what's been said. I'm gonna be more like Jesus. Jesus said, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. We're gonna believe that this week is gonna be a week of great breakthrough for you. I want you to come as they begin to sing. We're gonna pray.